What's up, guys? Welcome to Real Men Talk. Um, we're going to begin to talk about where do we go from here. So to, today, the day that I am recording this is November 8th, Election Day. Um, and I want to talk about what happens after this, regardless of of whether or not um, we, we end up with a re- Republican Congress and Senate. Regardless of what all happens, um, wh- where do we go from here as Christians, as leaders, as as a um, as a church in this nation? Let's get started on real men talk. Welcome to Real Men Talk, discussing the tough issues facing men and their families every day. Here are your hosts. All right, guys. Okay, so like I said in the beginning, it's November 8th. I just got through voting. Um, I was able to take my son. He turned 18 in September. Today was his first day voting. Proud father moment. I was excited about that. I was able to be the one to uh, take him, and, um, and it's super exciting. I'm proud of him. Um, but regardless of what happens today on, on during the election, as a nation, where do we go from here? Um, you know, to say that our nation is sick um, is an understatement. You know, we've we've discussed these things. I don't even know how many times, but they're all worth discussing again. Um you know, postmodernism is. If you ask me, postmodernism is the real pandemic um, uh, over anything. You know, fear, of course, is an all-time high. You go to you know COVID nineteen, um, and then you get into things like inflation. If you've if you stop to get gas, or if you stop to buy groceries, you understand this stuff is hitting us hard. The other day, I, I stopped to fill up, and I drive a, I drive a diesel because I pull an excavator, and um, I stopped to fill up my es- my excavator, uh, a five-gallon jug in my truck. In total, my truck wasn't empty. Total, it was about 20, I don't know, uh, 20 to 25 gallons, somewhere in there. Cost me 160 dollars um, to fill up. This stuff is hitting, it is hitting us like I've never seen it before. Inflation is at all-time high. Um, you know, of course, confusion. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago um, with Mr. Kyler. Confusion is at all time high. Um, not knowing, you, you know, we have this whole trans uh, movement, you, you know, homosexuality, uh, things like um, maps. Um, just in case you don't know what maps are, they're minor attracted persons basically pedophiles, um, you, you know, and so you see all, I mean, just all this stuff just making its way through America in such a, a, a fast moving process. It's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. So, so regardless of what happens today and don't get me wrong, today is important. And I hope when you listen to this, this will come out Thursday. So two days after election day, um, I hope that you went out and voted. I hope that you did your part. Um, but regardless, regardless, where do we, where do we, even if we do, even if we do end up with the Republican Congress and Senate, where do we go? What's the next actions that we take as Christians, men, as leaders, um, 
as a church? Where where do we go for, you know, how do we instill hope? The real question is, is, is there hope? With America in the shape that it's in, will the election really change anything? Will the election change anything? Will... Will anything that, that we do really, really make a, a, a vital change in the way that America is right now? The answer is, you, is yes. Um, there is always hope. His name is Jesus. Always. You know, and, I, and I know that, that you hear people say this all the time. All the time you hear people say, you know, oh, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. But when you can't go out and buy groceries, when you're having a hard time putting gas in your car, when you're terrified to send your kid to school because you don't know what they're hearing, when you're fighting, you, you know, you, when you're hurting because uh, of uh, of loss in the family or you're hurting because your kids are being rebellious. Maybe they're dealing with homosexuality or whatever. Maybe they're just being super rebellious. It, 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 all of this stuff is happening right now in America in a unprecedented amount. Uh, unlike anything I've ever seen. And probably different than anything that has ever happened in our nation. And it's easy to say, well, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And I'm and he is. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going somewhere with this. He is the answer. But it's easy to say that. Oh, well, just trust Jesus. Just trust Jesus. You know, okay, so as a nation, what do we do? Just trust Jesus. And and we should. And I'm not trying to downplay trust in Jesus. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to say is sometimes it's easier said than it is done. And when you're when you're really hurting, when you're really being, when you are really in despair, hope seems lost. And and it's okay. We're not the only people that have ever felt that way. Um, we're not the only nation has ever felt that way. And we're going to look a little bit at that, but we're, we, hope is, in times like this, hope is a delicacy, it seems like. You know, if you have hope, you are in the minority. That hope, hope is so far away sometimes and people people are are terrified everywhere i go i see it on their faces um you walk into the grocery store and, and god has been so good to me family um i he is he's so good I, I like i cannot even i cannot even express i am so glad that i have the favor of god on my life because without him, I, I don't know how we do it. But I walk through the grocery store and people are trying to pay. And you see just the worry on their faces that, the, you know, whether it's self-inflicted or not, times are times are hard. You know, when you're having to choose what to buy to, to feed your family or or, you know, do I put gas in my car or pay my bills or do I buy food or do I pay my bills? If people don't have Jesus in their life right now, I don't know. I don't 
no wonder suicide is at an all-time high. They, they don't have any hope. When the, when the world itself, when our nation has presented a hopeless society, and it has, Jesus really is our only hope. And, and so what is, what does that look like? How do we get back as a nation, as, as leaders, okay, as men, as Christian men that are leaders of our homes, of our churches and of our communities? How do we get us as a nation back, back into a place where we are centered around God? Now I'm gonna be real honest. I don't know. I don't know that it'll ever really happen. I don't know. Jesus may come back, and you know, but that's not something that we should ever stop striving for. We should always be looking for what can we do to bring hope to the lost, to bring Jesus to the lost, to bring Jesus to the hopeless, the hurting, the 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 ones who are in despair. What can we do to bring Jesus to these people who need him the most? And that's everybody, by the way. Second Chronicles seven verses fourteen. If you've been in a church for any length of time, you've heard this verse probably. There's no telling. There's no, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this verse, but Second Chronicles verses or chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who bear my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now this this verse is awesome and it presents presents a, a a light at the end of the tunnel. It presents a light at the end of the tunnel. And it presents a um a season of hope. But there there are two parts of this verse. One, if my people. Okay? There there's if. There's a stipulation here. If my people will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will, okay, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Which sounds sounds hunky-dory, but we're already in the middle of it. it. You know, so I was reading this verse, and I was thinking, I was like, man, we... We are in the middle of of sickness. Sin has brought sickness upon this nation. If my people will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear heaven. I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. You know, and I'm like, man, you know, how do you get a nation to do that? How do you get a nation to to humble themselves and pray and seek my face or seek his face and turn from our, our wicked ways, you know, to get God to hear from heaven, forgive us, forgive our sins and heal our land. How do, how do we get to that point? How do we get there? But there's context to this. You know, I've heard that verse. I, I don't know. Like I said, so many times 
And uh, I've probably read over it a few times and not really ever grasped what was really going on um, in this chapter, in the previous chapter, which is really where I want to focus at, um, is in chapter six before God tells us, you know, God said this to, to Solomon. Um, he told, he told Solomon this verse and the, the context of going back to verse, the chapter six, that's, that's where things are. We're going to put things into context. Um, that's where we're going to see where God is, you know, what has happened prior to this to set this up. And God's like, hey, okay, here's here's your stipulation. If my people will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. So in chapter six, we see at the very beginning of chapter six, Solomon has completed the temple. Okay, so now we know that that this was um, something David desperately wanted to do. Um, he he wanted to he wanted to build the temple. He wanted to dedicate it uh, dedicated to God. He wanted to he wanted to be the one to bring the temple back to Israel um, to Jerusalem. And so um, God told him he couldn't. His hands were too bloody, and but his seed would be the one to bring Israel to, or or bring the temple back to Israel, um, or build a temple in Israel. And so we see at the beginning, it is finished, um, and Solomon has dedicated the temple, and then he goes he goes on down to a prayer. And the prayer is really where I want to get to. Um, But we're going to take a small break before we get to this prayer. And when we come back, we're going to discuss this prayer, um, parts of this prayer, and how it relates to chapter 7 and verse 14. We'll be right back after this. This portion of Real Men Talk is brought to you by The Jeweler's Bench. They are a full-service jewelry store offering many styles of gold, silver, diamonds, and gemstones. And all jewelry repair is done in-house, so you can get your treasured pieces back as soon as possible. They are also a licensed Citizen Watch dealer. Make sure to visit them today at 1353 Northwestwood or call 573-686-1522. Call or stop in and thank them for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion. This portion of The Real Men Talk is brought to you by RL Persons Construction. 
For over 29 years, they have been a regional leader completing projects that include private, municipal, state, and federal agencies of all types. From mass grading, utilities, concrete of all types, to buildings both conventional and pre-engineered steel, you can expect excellence in all aspects of their finished work. Contact them today at 573-686-1323 and let them know you appreciate them bringing you Real Men Talk. If you have a question about this week's show, please drop us an email to realmen at palaceofpraise.com. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the show with Anthony Kernut. All right, guys, welcome back. So we talked the first half about, you know, Solomon or, you know, a hopeless society. Um, you know, where do we go from here? And then Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, if my people will, will humble themselves to pray and seek my face, I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Um, so in this chapter, of course, we talked about the building that the second half of this chapter is a prayer. And in this prayer, I want, I want to read a little bit of this prayer. I want to read three verses of this prayer. This is, this is verses 36 through 39. And um, all right, here we go. When they sin against you, this is Solomon praying to God, okay? When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them and hand them over to the enemy and their captors deport them to a distant or nearby country. And when they come to their senses in the land where they are deported and repent and petition you in their captor's land, saying, we have sinned, we done wrong, we have been wicked. And when they return to you with all their mind and all their heart in the land of their captivity, where they have taken captive, and when they pray in dedication to their in, de in direction of their land that you gave their ancestors and the city you have chosen and toward the temple I have built in your name. I'm sorry, verse 39. May you hear their prayer and petition in heaven, your dwelling place, and uphold their case. May you forgive your people who sinned against you. Now I know that's that that's a lot of reading right there, um, those three verses. But I, I want you to go back and I want you to read those again, and hopefully you you read them with me as I as I'm looking at them, or as I'm reading. Hopefully you're looking at them, you know. But basically, this is a rundown uh, of them. Solomon is like, hey, God, when when they sin, because they will. There's nobody without sin. Solomon understood that. He said, and you're angry with them and you drive them out or you allow the enemy to come in and take them out into a distant or nearby country. He said, when they come to their senses, when they finally realize, hey, we screwed up, we were in the wrong and they they pray to you and they petition to you 
Will you please forgive them? So I want to I want to look at this and kind of compare these three verses to where we are right now in our country. When they sin, that was that was verse thirty six. When they sin, Solomon Solomon is so wise. He understood. He understood what was going to happen because it's inevitable. Everybody sins. Everybody falls short. You look at the the repeat of uh, of the Israelites, even up to this point, failure after failure after something good will happen, they fall. Something good will happen, they'd fall. Something you know. Look at them while they're in Egypt. I mean, it just goes on and on. Likewise. Us as a country, we our country is sick because of the, of the sin that we have allowed to take place in our country. We have we have done this now. When they sin, we as a country we have sinned. We have rejected God's grace. We have spit in the face of God. We have accepted sin to be good. We have bought into the lies of the enemy. And he said, when they, when the hand or when the enemy comes in and takes them out, this is exactly what has happened. You look at Romans, uh, Romans chapter one, it talks about um, how God will give them over to a reprobate mind um, that they will give them over to their own sinful desires. And, this is this is what's happening. The enemy, Satan, has come in and he has taken over. You know, and it talks about being deported to a distant country. You ask anybody, anybody of age about America, and they will tell you, and this is hard because this is true. This is true. This is not the same America that I remember. This is not the same United States that I remember. This is not one nation under God that I remember. This is not. The enemy may have not taken us physically outside of the United States, but spiritually he has captured the United States of America. And he has he has drew he has driven out the spirit you know used to Christianity was the majority in the United States you know we were built on Judeo Christian ethics we we were uh, we were built as a morally sound country not not that we got all right that's not what I'm saying you, you know we did things wrong but. We were built on those things, and God was at the center of all of those. And yet now we see that the church is the minority, where the enemy has taken come in with its lies, and and it has has fooled people in such a way that they they don't they don't know the difference between right right and wrong anymore. They don't know. They cannot distinguish what is morally sound and not. They have bought into so many lies. They do not know how to grasp 
the concept of morality or love in its pure nature, not this, oh, we love everybody. Jesus loves everybody. You know, everybody is good. It doesn't matter what you do. You know, just as long as your feels are good, we're, we're in good shape. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about love. When, when you love somebody, when you love somebody, you'll tell them the truth. When you love somebody, you'll, you, you'll tell them, hey, you're in the wrong. Not because I want to prove that I'm right, but because I love you enough to tell you, hey, the direction that you were going is wrong. People, people don't know. People don't know. I, th- I think I read this, this stat last week, but, you know, um, I, I'm getting ready to start reading this book called Truth Changes Everything by Dr. Jeff Myers. And um, in this book, he talks about a survey that they did over f- for a thousand people. And these are a thousand people inside the church. Um, it was a Barna group. It was a different group. I can't remember who it was. Anyways, but like, they, they were asking about the, the sexuality being taught to tri- to Christians or to children. And 95, 90, 95% of these people were like, no, we don't agree with what's going on. But 90 to 95% of that 95% didn't say anything because they were afraid of fitting somebody. Where is our moral compass? That is just as morally wrong as doing it. We are the voice of reason. God set America up for the people to be the moral compass of this nation. And we have set back, we have bought into the lie that we don't have to, um, you, you know, we shouldn't say anything. We shouldn't, you, you know, put ourselves out there. We shouldn't, you, you know, you shouldn't offend somebody. You might get all up in their feels and they'll need a safe space and, and words hurt. You know, we, we've bought into this bullcrap, this this postmodernism and this wokeism and it is wrong and because of it we're living in a distant country this is not the same united states of america that it once was it is not but 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 there's hope solomon said but when they come to their senses when when the light bulb goes off and they're like, hey, wait a minute. God, I am so sorry. God, what we were doing was so wrong. We realize that. We realize that we repent and we come to you and petition and we are sorry. And he prays, he prays when they come to their senses and they repent. May you forgive them. May you hear their prayers in heaven. May you forgive them who sinned against you. And do you want to know what God's response was to Solomon's prayer? This is the next chapter. Chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. If I shut the sky so there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, 
Or if I send pestilence on my people and my people who bear my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Verse 13 is response to, to when they leave. If I shut the sky and there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume our land, and if, or if I send pestilence on my people, which we see all of those right now in America, every one of them, we, we have an all-time high drought. We have, we have our crops are dying because of the drought. We have a sickness on a people. But God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. So no matter what happens, at the election, no matter what happens, us, the leaders, the leaders of our homes, of our communities, of our churches, we have to humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face. Because then, He will hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land. Don't get me wrong. We will never see America like it was again. We will never go back, be able to go back. But you know what? I don't want to. God has placed us on this earth for such a time as this. And I am so thankful. I am so thankful that God chose me to be here now to see things that are unprecedented to any time in, in, in the world, to see a nation that has the capability to turn around, to turn back to God, to have God heal our land And forgive us of our sin. You know, you may be asking, you know, I, as a leader, you, know, you, may, you may be the one in your household that is dealing with sin, that needs to humble yourselves and pray. Right now, I urge you, I urge you to beg for God's forgiveness to humble yourself before him and seek his face that doesn't that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that it's it's a one one and done done deal it's not a one and done deal that's not what that means to seek his face that's an every day every day thing to find 
Yo, God, what can I do for you today? God, I, I, I'm, I, I'm a servant before you. That entire prayer in chapter six, something I notice is, is Solomon, the king at that time, used the word servant so much. I am your servant. We are your servants. I am your servant. We men, we are God's servant, not as a slave, not as a slave. We are his servants. We are there willingly, and that's that's different. We are no longer a slave to sin. We are a servant to God. We are there because we want to be, because we understand who God is and what he is and what he's done for us. We want to serve him. We are compelled to come and fall before his feet because, men, our families depend on it. This nation depends on it. If you've got questions or you need prayer, email me, realmen at palacepraise.com. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Know that God loves you. He is for you. He is for us. And he has set us up for victory. We are not going to lose this battle. You know, it's kind of like Meshach and Abednego. We will not bow. God will deliver us from there. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, I will not, I will not bow a knee. Jesus is our answer. He is our hope. He is our hope. As always, I want to enter prayer. Holy Spirit, teach us to be leaders of our homes, of our communities, and of our churches. Teach us to be godly, courageous men. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Real Men Talk, brought to you by Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you would like to get in touch with us, shoot us an email, realmen at palaceofpraise.com or visit our website at palaceofpraise.com. If you're a man age 16 and up and would like to be a part of the conversation, join us at the Palace of Praise every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. If you don't have a home church, consider joining us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Palace of Praise is located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. New episodes of Real Men Talk drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon, and more. Real Men Talk is a production of Palace Media Service. Real Men Talk has been brought to you this week by RLP Construction in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For commercial contracting of all types, see RLP Construction today. And by the Jewelers Bench in Poplar Bluff. They are your one-stop shop for all your fine jewelry needs. They also do in-house repair and are your citizen watch dealer. Make sure to thank our sponsors for bringing you Real Men Talk.
If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion.